Well, mates. What's the crack? Wait to hear this first story, honestly. Unbelievable, okay? So in June 2014, Scott Riley was 100 pound overweight, suffering from rheumatoid arthritis and on a cocktail of pharmaceutical drugs. He was depressed, isolated, and at rock bottom in his life. So not anymore. That all changed. It's not true. Because after some pretty, he says some pretty big leaps of faith. I'm going to say some massive leaps of faith, like being treated by the tribes in the Peruvian Amazon, as in the massive rainforest, going 60 days without solid food, and climbing frozen mountains half naked in the snow. There are pictures, trust me. Scott now coaches others to take small steps to giant living when it comes to their health, fitness, and well-being. Scott is also the founder of Dash and Splash, a meetup that gets together every Sunday morning to run, breathe, and swim in the sea together. The Banger Group has gone from strength to strength and now boasts of up to 80 people attending their weekly events. I was there last Sunday. It was absolutely unbelievable. Such a real strong community and nothing feels better than getting in the sea. Is it cold? Absolutely. Do you feel amazing after it? Absolutely. We talk about that towards the end of the conversation, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, we cover so much ground today in the alternative medicine space. We talk about fasting, we talk about elimination diets, juicing, cold water therapy, the Wim Hof method. But most of all, we talk about momentum and we talk about the importance of starting small and seeing your life literally transform through those small things. His oh, his tagline's unbelievable. It's absolutely on the money. Small steps to giant living. I absolutely love that. This interview came at a good time for me because I have actually been doing the Wim Hof method for about two months. And something that people always tell me, and I will pass it on, is please do not mix breathing exercises with cold water immersion when you're by yourself. You know, you can black out. If you're by yourself, things can get messy. It can get fatal. And so don't play around with it. You know, throw in a wee disclaimer there. Um, what is it they say? Uh don't recommend doing any of these things. Well, like first consulting a professional medical practitioner or a doctor, get, you get the idea. You guys are smart. You know what's up. That aside, you're going to absolutely love today. Scott is an incredible guy with such a powerful story. And honestly, the ripple effect of his work is seriously changing people's lives. I don't say that flippantly. They really, really are. He's a sound guy. He's an incredible human being. And the best part is all this stuff, it's not complicated. It's not expensive. It's not time consuming. Incredible stuff. So, that's it. Without further ado, please welcome Scott Riley to your ears. Let's go. Hi, I'm Scott Riley, the founder of Causeway Living, and you're listening to the Best of Belfast podcast. All right, guys, what's the crack? My name is Matthew Thompson, and welcome to Best of Belfast, the podcast that celebrates our wee country, Northern Ireland. Each episode gives you the opportunity to get to know and learn from some of the incredible people who call this place home through our unfiltered conversations. The show is brought to you from our recording studio in Ormo Bass, Barclay Eagle Labs, a co-working space right here in the heart of the city centre. Support for Best of Belfast comes from our Producers Club, where listeners just like you pledge as little as £1 a month in exchange for exclusive perks, invitations to live podcasts, some Northern Irish swag, and much, much more. Massive, massive thank you to all of you who are part of that, especially our Titanic producers, Town Square Cafe, Gavin Wall, Ali Hart, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, and of course, the Omobass team. We could not do this show without our producers, and thanks to your support, we can keep it running and allowed to stay ad-free. So, really appreciate you. To find out more about the great work these guys do, and support us on our journey to 100 interviews, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Okay, that's it for me. Time to jump straight into today's conversation with this week's local legend. Nobody knows. 
imagine us coming in to do this and there's like two guys sitting behind a big desk with like two knobs <laughs> and stuff turning them around and yeah we'd yeah. be like uh, putting it on like the big massive tapes or something as well <laughs> yeah how do you like cut that someone says something you're like great we have to physically cut this tape to get that sorted yeah do you even forget like uh cut comes from that like literally mm. cutting tape <laughs> it's funny like um i'm really a big fan of things that look at the root of stuff mm-hmm. and even i'm a big seth godin fan i don't know if you know mm-hmm. seth godin um but even like he he comes out with some stuff sometimes and you're just like i cannot believe that i never thought about it. he goes yeah and your goal is to be remarkable as in worth remarking upon and you're like oh how did i never think about that flip's yeah. sake i like that like etymology of words you know yeah. like figuring out the the big one that like most people the, one of the most obvious ones that most people don't get is breakfast break a fast yeah you break your fast in the morning so good and the idea of like then intermittent fasting and the idea of breakfast maybe later in the day to break your fast so on the note of fasting what do you what are you currently doing a bit of that really a bit of yeah and not as strictly as i have done before yeah but i know that's one of the things that makes me feel the best if i get on a run of like making sure i'm quite strict like not eating past a certain time and just not eating that early in the day yeah i feel way better way lighter on my feet and everything yeah so have you eaten today yet <clears throat> or is no. no and that's purely because like for podcasts and for workshops and stuff i quite like to be in a fasted state super alert yeah exactly it like puts you more into hunt mode i suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true yeah i've been doing intermittent fasting for about two years mm. uh, i haven't eaten yet today either and it is this is really bad like yes for the health benefits but also for the sheer convenience <laughs> yeah. it is so amazing like not having to wake up and worry about because when i was living in the states i would get up like an hour early to cook breakfast and cook lunch for the day mm. and get my tupperware together and then go out and i'm like man like looking back i'm like why did i not know about if i could have saved like so much time and so much hassle you know yeah because once your body gets used to it, you don't even notice anymore no and it's kind of no surprise because like we're kind of built for it yeah so uh yeah i think it's something that is quite easy for most people to give a try to as well which is really positive whenever you're trying to give nutritional advice it's a nightmare because so many people have different allergies preferences you know even for reasons like ethical reasons and but everyone can like give intermittent fasting a try yeah one thing i've never been able to wrap my head around if is the fact that in on one hand like people would say oh it's it's uh really unhealthy to skip breakfast yeah you know what i mean like that's kind of like been like the common like yeah. like my granny's a perfect example like any weird diet thing i do like my granny's always like what are you doing that for yeah. like i was keto for like six months okay and really really loved it but like part of the reasons i then transitioned away from that was i could i couldn't bother to hear my granny go on anymore about it you know what i mean there's always kind of like conventional diet wisdoms and stuff that are very hard to break i I don't know if if it's particularly in northern ireland but um i I think it's more generational than anything because the big one is fats like i constantly hear from older generation oh low fat that's great you know and like i'm forever saying that like there's a few people i'm not going to mention any names but uh that say to me like oh yeah i'm on this low fat thing i don't know how many times i have to say to them like just look it up yeah you know and that but it's so it's like brainwashing basically if you've grown up being told that like 
especially if you're conscious about your weight and then you're told like low fat low fat low fat it's probably really hard to undo that conditioning even though there's new science and yeah and then if you try and tell anyone different they're like oh yes well you know they were saying eggs were unhealthy and now they're healthy and <laughs> uh, what about butter they said butter was bad now butter's good again i can't make your mind about butter yeah so um yeah but i think the only sensible thing to do is just go with like the latest information and knowledge maybe they will figure out something that like oh wait intermittent fasting is terrible for this specific reason <laughs> i doubt it like but yeah. um you know that's the best information we got yeah and i think there's also that bit where you kind of let your body be your guide as yeah. in like i'll like i did keto and i currently still do a lot of fasting and i'm like well i feel incredible when i do this hmm. and so it's probably it's not always a good indication of hey if it feels good do it yeah. but like kind of like on an earthy sort of level i'm like i feel better when i am fasting hmm. and it's been something that i i i try to encourage people it's because it is it's as simple as starting as hey just skip breakfast start start there yeah. and you know and then like you can ease your way into doing whatever you want so like you said see how you feel like yeah. that's the best thing you can start to trust your body a little bit better and the fact that it's been around in like different cultures for so long like mm. different religions and i tend to think that a lot of things that were cultural or religious normally have some sort of basis in something that was actually good for you or had some sort of advantage and if a religion is guiding you to do a certain thing not always obviously but um, <laughs> there's sometimes like a good reason whether it's physiologically or like psychologically why that these certain like rules and things mm. are, are good to follow so yeah i think it's interesting like i would i would know the hebrew bible quite well and it's funny to see the like the connection between fasting and healing and then now like in this big cultural moment that fasting's having and all the signs that are saying you know it's it, like it helps heal your body and autophagy and all this sort of stuff and i'm like whoa it's interesting to see like the science kind of come in like full circle if you know what i mean it's weird yeah that's exactly the story with the wim hof method like that was wim um you know did the cold training and the breath work training before the science was applied to it like he just knew it was good for him yeah yeah yeah. and it was all like retrospective you know they did the studies on him and then found out and started to understand it better but i think that's happening with a lot of things things like yoga like people have done it for thousands of years but now there's some good hard science behind it and like why this is good for you meditation all these things yeah and then there's kind of like the cultural the slow cultural process of oh this is evil or this is bad and you know then yeah. people start to come around and start to experiment and kind of see how it goes so the one thing the one area since i've gone off being keto that i am i suppose actively trying to figure out a solution is sugar because mm. uh, i'm when i was doing keto i was really into like you know the cult of keto is in like i was listening to podcasts and i was yeah. reading the science and i was like whoa like uh, insulin spikes and everything like that <laughs> and now i'm like well now i've kind of readjusted and, and whatever and find you know that it's, it's really working for me but sugar now because when i was keto i didn't crave sugar in the slightest mm. and now i'm back on the carb roller coaster as the ketoites would say mm -hmm. sugar is something that i have to exercise a lot of willpower against and i'm like dude I, I love environment design that gets rid of the need for willpower mm -hmm. and I still haven't figured out I'm oh, I'm debating should I just go complete full cold turkey sugar should I do like sugar sundaes you know what yeah. <laughs> you sugar know like sundaes. what's the thing what's the thing I 
think it's a really tough one that probably works different things for different people. For me, I always do better whenever I cut something out entirely. Yeah. I wouldn't say that that's the case at the moment with sugar, but I know I felt a lot better when it's just been out of my life. And then I get to the point where I don't crave yeah. it anymore. And it's then... that two weeks, isn't it? It's that like... <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird that you mentioned two weeks in particular because, and even on the topic of fasting, I a big part of getting my health back was uh, a 60-day juice fast. And um, two weeks was a nightmare, like withdrawal <laughs> from sugar, well, like refined sugars, uh, carbohydrates, yeah, like everything. Yeah. Salts, yeah. saturated fats. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, two weeks was a, was a nightmare. But like you said, after two weeks, I was used to it. I was in a routine of operating this juicer like four times a day <laughs> and cleaning the thing. And it was just like the new normal. And yeah. I think you can kind of get used to anything quite quickly. Two weeks isn't really all that long. It might, if you can just push through it. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you can figure out a way to white knuckle through two weeks, there's pretty much nothing you can't stand for two weeks. <laughs> like I always remember, like I always joke with like people who are doing their GCSEs and like A-levels and stuff. And obviously like when you're in the middle of that, you just feel like it's hell on earth. Mm -hmm. But then you're kind of just like, dude, it's like you can do almost anything for a month. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it's a short enough time window that you're like, the, you know, even now, like I've just, I've come out of a, a really stupidly busy season because I said yes too much. It's kind of my current journey is learning how to say no and learn how to prioritize and stuff. And I remember like the moment that I was able to like, ah, oh, like find a bit of peace and a bit of zen was whenever I took out a piece of paper, I wrote down everything I had to do. And I was like, okay, I have 40 days to do this. Hmm. And just having that, like that, I suppose the same with your 60 days for yeah. the for the juice fast. It's like, here's a set amount of time. I have a goal to work towards as opposed to, I'm not allowed to eat chicken forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like that's, whenever I think back over my journey, a lot of this stuff was setting a specific time. If it's not a time, it becomes very loose. And like you said, it can be psychologically, that can just hold you back. Mm. And even if you're using it as a trick like if you're gonna say like i'm gonna <laughs> cut out sugar for two weeks and you realize at the end of it like oh, i feel awesome i'm not gonna go back to it but then also giving yourself a bit of leeway that i think for most people whenever they build a good habit they can fall out of it quite easily because they're feeling so good that they're like oh you know what? i'm feeling so good i can have a oh, big donut again and like won't even phase me and <laughs> two weeks down the line there's stuff in their face again they're like how did it happen <laughs> so yeah that's very yeah. relatable yeah i think a lot of people listening are going to be like yeah i've, I've definitely been there <laughs> yeah so good so like you get to the point where you feel so good that you kind of fall off the wagon and then it's just the process of doing it again the better thing is it becomes easier the second time you're like oh, i've already cut out sugar this time i know it makes me feel better and then that's where i think so much comes to like keeping the right people around you mm -hmm. you know if they can sort of see you're slipping on some of the better habits that that they're you know making a part of their life as well that they can very quickly if they're a good friend flag it up for you <laughs> yeah yeah awesome dude well we've covered like enough ground already to end the episode uh, th <laughs> thanks for listening everyone uh see you next time but kind of first official question we always start off with is the standard if you walked into an elevator and Liam Neeson was there Scott how would you introduce yourself well, for transparency issues, <laughs> we spoke before the podcast yesterday just to make sure times and everything was still on. I listened to, obviously, some of the best of Belfast podcasts and said to you, well, uh, 
What about that Liam Neeson question <laughs> in light of... Um, it's a bit dicey right now, Matthew. <laughs> it's a hot topic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that... I don't know, like in terms of, because I'm aware of the question, I didn't want to overthink it too much. So let's maybe flesh it out with some more context. If I ran into Liam Neeson in an elevator in Belfast, chances are I'd probably give him that sort of nod. That was about <laughs> the it. The Nornash nod. Right, right mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's about it. But uh, anywhere else in the world, it might like pick up in the Northern Irish thing and like, yeah. oh, Liam fell in the Northern Irish fella. And uh, yeah, just get chatting to him, see if we could talk him into an ice bath, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I imagine he would probably be all right in a nice bath yeah there's a really old hilarious video of him i think it was for like a and maybe like a translink ad or something and he is like running into the sea in this i mean it's the most hilarious swimming and it's not swimming shorts when i say swimming costume that is the best (laughs) way to describe it honestly and he's got this like old like mustache he looks like one of those you know like art of manliness yeah kind of old time strongman sort of looks i don't know why that's just what he looks like and he's like running the sea you're like liam you you've come a long way (laughs) (laughs) from yeah the recent stories i suppose yeah very long way crazy so how like there's lots of things that people know you for. They know you for being the guy that lost all this weight. They know you uh, for fasting. They know you for Peruvian jungles. Mm-hmm. They know you for swimming in the sea. They know you as the Northern Irish Iceman. Actually, so this is interesting. How we got connected today mm-hmm. was through a couple of mutual friends and through... Uh, Ryan Scullion, mm-hmm. who works in the bass here with me, um, Christina Ludlow, who used to come to all the Belfast, our best Belfast meetups. Mm-hmm. And then also I was sitting in the dentist and I was going through some sort of magazine. <laughs> was it the Ulster Tatler or something? I'm trying to think what the name of it was. Anyway, there was yeah. this magazine and I just saw, I think it was a photo of you doing some sort of handstand on my memories will be foggy about this. It was like, it looked like a stone table covered in snow and it just was like Northern Irish Iceman. And I was like, what? Because I just found out about Wim Hof. Uh, and I was like, dude, I, I've got to get connected to this guy. <laughs> so do you want to unpack any of those things? Start wherever you want. And let's just hear a bit more about it. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing that people probably associate with me more than anything is the the cold training stuff you know being the only northern irish guy who is a certified wim hof method trainer and probably for the best to explain a little bit about that for anyone listening wondering who the hell wim hof is and what does he do and why am i getting people into ice baths (laughs) (laughs) so it's a really hard thing to actually put in a nutshell to be honest but the best way i've sort of found of explaining it to people is it's a form of nervous system training so most people are suffering chronic low-level stress all of the time a symptom of 21st century living and a world that we're really not evolved to deal with and basically the Wim Hof method has three pillars mindset training breath work and the cold and what that's really doing is getting you back to a space where you're putting your body in the conditions that it's evolved for and in doing so could be like giving your body a chance to go through the things that help you balance out your nervous system so more acute stress which is weird because most people think of stress as like a dirty word almost nowadays but uh it can be your friend (laughs) um The problem is chronic low-level stress. If you use an acute stressor like the cold and teach your body to come out of stress, you know, it can be uh, 
basically strengthens your nervous system and your body's ability to come out of stresses so that chronic stress isn't so likely. You're just basically training your body to come out of a stress state. The cold does that, the breath work does that, and then the, the mindset training is all a, a big part of it as well because it takes some mental fortitude to step into an ice bath for yeah. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been a real, real pleasure sharing it here. It's been not without its challenges. I mean, we had a a chat beforehand about like how Northern Ireland's changed and what an amazing developing place it is to live. But um, of all the places in the world, I, I would say still probably behind in terms of open-mindedness and maybe not the most health-oriented place in the world. Places like California, the Netherlands, Wim Hof Methods, this you know, big thing and to run a business centered around the Wim Hof method in those places is a doable thing and here I'm the guy making it <laughs> so it's not without its challenges but like I can't tell you how grateful I am for like the early adopters and people who see the value in it come to the workshops it probably gives me a stronger bond with those people because they're the guys who are super into it and those oh, yeah. have like found out about it and like there's a guy here in Northern Ireland doing this man <laughs> stuff great let's get involved I've only heard about that on the Joe Rogan podcast. What the heck? It's <laughs> a surprising amount of that. Yeah, fair. people on the fringes, like listening to all the, you know, doing the rounds on the podcast. It's it's really, really interesting. Uh, I would like to, as Tim Ferriss would say, underscore something. I love when he says that. I always crack up. But I'd love for you to maybe share actually what is all involved in becoming a Wim Hof trainer. Okay. Is that what it is? Trainer? Sorry, is that the right word? Yeah, trainer, certified instructor. Because uh, you say that as if it's kind of like maybe going to a night class in tech <laughs> and getting your HND and, you know, Wim Hof. But it's, you know, it, it, there's quite a lot involved, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> so there's three main parts to it. And they're actually through the Wim Hof Method Academy. They're changing it all the time. I was only in the second year of international instructors. But on my year... There's certain criteria that you need to be able to apply. So like teaching experience and a few other things. And the first part is an online course. So that's actually available to anyone and everyone. And if they wanted to go to the Wim Hof Method website, you can do the 10-week Wim Hof Method Fundamentals course, which is great. I actually did the old version of it and they've since updated the whole thing. It's way better. And the version I did was pretty old school with just women, a couple of mates in his room and, uh, you know, getting, it was basic, but everything I needed, obviously. And yeah, I found it was a, an amazing thing initially just for, for my own health. You know, I was super interested in different alternative health things because they brought so much to my life until that point. And whenever I realized that I wanted to, or that it would be a good tool for me to use to promote my business and something to center my business around took the next steps into the instructor training so <laughs> the first one is normally in the netherlands and where wim hof's from and whenever i wanted to begin the instructor training that had actually sold out i ended up having to go over to america to do the first part of the training so the advanced wim hof method training <laughs> and i've got a couple of friends over there in california where it was happening so it was perfect really i could stay with those guys actually became really good friends with the guy who was teaching at the academy at that time as well so go and stay with those guys and uh, yeah go to california you know <laughs> as well which is a, a nice excuse to do that see some of my friends and basically that's like i think it was four maybe five days i can't remember off the top of my head now but 
you're there with Wim and uh, my friend Casper at the time, who's uh, who's an amazing t- uh, teacher, but also, you know, he's got a background in science as well. So he's very well able to articulate what Wim is very good at putting out there in an inspirational way and like tell it can I swear on this podcast oh yeah go for it okay well Wim gets up there and breathe motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) um with Casper he uh he can put it in a in a way that really breaks down the science and makes it very very clear to understand which is important if I'm going to go on and then teach it that I have a really good understanding like Wim always says that uh feeling is understanding but uh understanding is understanding (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah that was great that was the first part and I think it's a good little test for people you know I think quite a few people go to do the advanced training see where they're at with the method because it's something you actually have to commit to to be able to you know not physiologically people can't just jump into cold water and deal with it. That takes training. Same as like someone who never goes to the gym can't all of a sudden go and do like a big heavy deadlift. You mm-hmm. know, you, you've got to keep doing the breath work and, and the cold training to maintain some of that. Yeah, something I really found helpful about Wim was the fact that he describes your body's ability to withstand cold as a muscle mm. and talks about, I don't know, this is bro science in my head, but almost like the walls of your skin or the walls of your muscle getting stronger to the cold over time and the more you train it that was really helpful for me because i was kind of like i would get bummed out like man like cold showers are kicking my ass like this yeah. is you know this is killing me as opposed to you know what just start a wee bit warmer and then like you know build it up so yeah sorry i found that helpful yeah it's really helpful and this is a perfect example of what i'm talking about with like whim being able to explain something in an experiential way and then there is actually some science which is kind of like that your quote-unquote cold muscle is kind of like the tone of your vagus nerve okay so it's the nerve it's the i think the biggest one in the body and it's responsible from taking you from the fight or flight state to the rest and digest state in the nervous system Mm. and most people have a very weak vagal tone it's known as because they're in low level stress all the time they're not making the transition to rest and digest part of the nervous system if you don't use something in your body, it becomes weak. So um, <laughs> this is what the Wim Hof method is Use for. it or lose it, buddy. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what we're doing, really getting people into ice baths, cold showers, sea swimming, is first actually escalating a bit of stress. So acute stress, like I'd mentioned before. And then through breathing in a calm way, you basically shift your state from definitely being in fight or flight when you first go into the cold Whenever you know you can catch your breath, you've made a transition over to the rest and digest state. And that's basically your cold muscle. Nice. So the more you work on that, the stronger vagal tone that you have. And uh, yeah, the point of it isn't just to be awesome at cold showers. <laughs> <laughs> the point of it is when a day-to-day stress comes along, then same thing. Your nervous system deals with like a cold shower or that thing the guy said to you yesterday or the car cutting in front of you as the same thing. And if you've done the training by cold showers or the breathwork training actually does something very similar, but in a different way, you know, you're better able to deal with the actual real life stressor as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's been great. Uh, That was the first part of the training. The final part of the training was in Poland. So there's quite a lot of people who are interested in Wim Hof method that have seen the Vice documentary. And I would recommend people go and watch that. And 
it's basically set in the place where they do the final part of the training, Mount Schneeska in Poland, which is purportedly the windiest mountain in Europe, which I would well believe. <laughs> <laughs> Hiked up and down it in literally a pair of shorts and boots and a hat. So uh, it's a good five hours out there hiking. And yeah, that's the culmination of like a week's training with Wim. Um, basically a, a bare chested hike up to the top of the snowy well very snowy purportedly windiest mountain in Europe uh, marching past like border guards in their full military kit and oh, like heavy word. jackets and all in your shorts and they're kind of giving these funny looks and picturing like Russian style like big hats as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you set the scene perfectly <laughs> and uh, yeah I mean it's it's an incredible thing and, and really touches on another thing that the Wim Hof method's great for. It teaches you that you're capable of so much more than you think that's possible. You know, you march up to the top of a, a snowy mountain, like wearing next to nothing basically, and yeah. you realize like, what else can I do? Yeah. Amazing feeling. So um, the rest of that week is um, pretty in-depth and intense and a lot of like jumping in and out of frozen rivers and all the kind of Wim Hof madness, but you go really deep with the breathwork training as well. And there's a standard Wim Hof method breathwork practice that I teach in all the fundamentals workshops that I do. But I mean, there's levels to this. There's like you can go so much deeper and it sounds really uh, intense whenever I describe it literally. But like you'd be doing the breathwork training for an hour in the basement of a Polish hotel with Wim Hof screaming at you. (laughs) And it's completely transformative. It's... uh, they yeah. always test it on a Friday. Don't worry. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's something that is completely life-changing, the breathwork aspect of it, and something I would quite like to try and get across in the, the podcast as well because most people see it makes for a better picture in the ice bath than, like, lying there breathing. So <laughs> most yeah, people yeah, yeah, associate yeah. the Wim Hof method with, like, just the cold training. But yeah. Wim would probably tell you that the more transformative part is committing to a breathwork practice regularly and even to sort of come full circle to what we talked about if you can do it for a couple of weeks becomes a thing that you just do as part of your routine and like everyone like i mean i fall off the wagon at times too you know and get back on with it but yeah it's something completely transformative and a perfect tool for me to fulfill some of the intentions that i'd set out in peru which you'd mentioned as well like coming home and i transformed my health but it took me quite a while to find something that i could use to share with other people that they Mm. could help transform theirs improve their life circumstances take a lot of boxes because also there's peer-reviewed science behind it yeah which is great there's a study in radboud university in the netherlands where they were able to basically prove what was happening and um, they injected people with an endotoxin, so the inflammatory proteins from E. coli. And they should be 100% reliable to trick your body into throwing up and all the bad stuff. And basically they injected Wim with this. He did the breathwork practice and didn't suffer any symptoms of it. So he'd 100% reliably reduced inflammation in his body, which is great. And even though that was amazing, they sort of thought, well, maybe Wim's a one-off. And yeah, he's, this guy's got 20 world records. Yeah. He's obviously some sort of like stunt man. Like, yeah. yeah, they thought he was just a complete one-off. And again, one of the most inspiring things about Wim is he often says, what I can do, anyone can do. So he took a group of, I believe it was 18 people to Poland where I did my final part of the the training, the, the master module of the, the Wim Hof Method Academy 
put them through all the same stuff, threw them in rivers, marched them up and down the mountain in their pants and <laughs> all the rest of it. <laughs> and uh, did the same trial with them, with a control group as well. So they had the, I think they, for some reason they had 12 people to back up the 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 group that would be 100% reliably influenced by the, the endotoxin and be sick, you know, like not doing any method or not doing any practice. Like a control group almost for the experiment, yeah. Exactly. And then they had Wim's group, which was slightly larger, and they had them do the Wim Hof breathwork practice. And yeah, it was like proof. There you go. Like they didn't suffer the symptoms and it was 100% reliable and proven that it, even there's some good comments and quotes from the researchers in the Dutch University that they're just staggered that you're able to influence the autonomic nervous system by even by its name should say that you're not able to yeah. to do something with it. So yeah. yeah, it just it goes to show you that I mean we talked a little bit about again science evolving and just going with the latest science for the longest time until when people thought it wasn't possible to influence the nervous system in that yeah. way, but it is. And yeah, real honor to be able to share that at all with science and also all kinds of other benefits as well like the probably as big for me as the community that's mm. around it the sort of people that want to improve their own life circumstances but also help other people do the same and also the sort of people who are mental enough to jump in on the ice bath or say <laughs> and that uh, those are the kind of people i like hanging out with too so. yeah and it's kind of a thing where like i've i've been through various experiences with a small group of people you know back from like doing duke of ed to like hiking in the himalayas to you know going through really intense stuff uh working on the streets in new york and there's always that like or like sports teams like there's always that sort of like real strong bond whenever you go through something really intense i suppose stress like you said like that stress together one thing that because i've been kind of in the run-up of this podcast and then even just where my own curiosity has taken me i've been doing wim hof for two months not religiously but it is it has answered so many questions that I had. I remember like six months ago, my friend Jamie and I we were hiking around the Cave Hill sort of area, mm-hmm. and we there was all these sheep, and we were just like, mate, how on earth did shepherds back in the day just like sleep rough? And they they slept in like all sorts of conditions, and they did you know all year round, and you're like. Like, we're such wimps. Like, what the heck? Like, we're up here with, like, our big duffel coats and, like, our big <laughs> boots. And, like, they didn't even have that. You know, they had maybe, like, a nice woolly jumper, and that's kind of it. And I was like, why are we so wimpy? Like, what the heck? And then it's been following the Wim Hof journey and kind of realizing that discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing. And stress is not a bad thing. And how in this modern world we we live in, we've kind of, like, evolved towards comfort and it's actually hurt us in lots of weird ways because we are not as maybe hardy as we used to be we're not as tough mentally and physically and then all this sort of stuff like depression and anxiety and the digital age has kind of just compounded that and we're you know on a surface level we're left with all these questions well why do i feel like this way why are all these autoimmune diseases popping up blah 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 blah. and then actually if you sit down you think about it's like well it's because we're not really as human as we used to be that puts in a nutshell like basically the most core thing that i've learned experientially it's like the more i put myself and my body in the circumstances that a human body's evolved for the happier and healthier and stronger that i am and 
it's not like a judgment thing because we're evolutionarily we're oriented to seek comfort because it was scarce in oh, the yeah. past and like same with sugar like to kind of fill yeah. loop there like the reason why we crave sugar is because oh high calories this is great the problem is we have it on tap now which is scary same with comfort comfort was scarce now it's abundant uh to use even the cold as a specific example it's only the first time in human history that like central heating like now you can always be warm you never have to be cold <laughs> in your entire life that's so true and then people are like oh, i always get cold hands well your body has no reason for it to be able mm. to heat up itself when you can go over to a radiator nature is really efficient if you don't need something it's not gonna maintain that skill so yeah if you can put yourself under the environment and choose the stressors that we're meant to deal with i feel it's just like square peg square hole you know like you're just happier and healthier and rather than trying to fit into a world that we're we're not really made for and then wondering why like you said there's so many people there's like an epidemic of chronic illnesses mental health especially you know i think the more we can get people out of their comfort and maybe into the cold (laughs) the better (laughs) so i think this would be a good point to maybe share your story your personal story in a nutshell because i think you really are the living breathing proof of all what some people are probably like this is theoretical bs but you are like you know a great example of kind of that in action so would you just like to share that with us yeah a hundred percent i to give some context to anyone listening who hasn't heard anything about my story i am now a good seven stone lighter than i was at the worst part of my journey so back in june 2014 uh, i was a good seven stone heavier 100 pounds and suffering really badly from a, a chronic illness so rheumatoid arthritis it's an autoimmune disorder which means your own immune system kind of goes haywire and starts attacking your own body and it can show up in lots of different ways for different people and that can be if you get chronic inflammation in say the skin it can be like psoriasis if you get it in the gut it can be like crohn's disease but for me i had that inflammation in my joints which is rheumatoid arthritis and i had been on a bunch of different pharmaceutical drugs none of which really worked apart from one somewhere in the middle of the four years while i was suffering and which seemed like a great thing at the time you know i've been suffering for a couple of years found a pharmaceutical drug that worked got really into cycling did the mara cycle from belfast to dublin like super what is that over 100 miles is it 112 or oh baby so and like at the time where i'd been really ill for a couple of years and everything was going up and then the medication stopped working no (laughs) so it was like it hit me harder probably than getting diagnosed sick in the first place because i felt like well if they find another pharmaceutical drug that helps me i might just have another six months and then i'm just sick again so probably lost a lot of hope and that's where things really spiraled out of control you start if you think you're never going to get better you make say bad food choices and then start to become overweight makes the condition worse start to become ashamed of how I looked, uh, Mm. become more isolated because of that to the point of, you know, maybe seeing my parents maybe once a week, going to the shop at like 11 p.m. where I knew there would be no one around and you can use a little self-scan 
<laughs> you know, service things and just get in and out without having yeah. to speak to anyone. Completely isolated. And yeah, it was only at that real rock bottom point of being so overweight. The arthritis had got to the point of like opening the door handle would have hurt the joints in my wow. hands or brushing my teeth. I live on a, you know, first floor apartment and going up and down the steps to the apartment was a nightmare because my knees were sore. And yeah, I it's really even hard for me still to say this out loud, but it was to the point where I just didn't want to wake up the next morning. Sure. It's a chronic illness, which means it's not terminal. So I was pretty young too at the time and looking at another what maybe 40 years of pretty intense suffering my mental health was completely shot as i'm sure anyone listening could understand yeah and if i was feeling like i didn't want to get up each morning i wanted to be able to console myself with if i got to the point where it was the end of my life at least i would have tried everything possible to Mm -hmm. get my health back first and i knew there was things out there where people had got better from chronic illnesses so i looked to anecdotal evidence basically of people who were in a similar situation to i was at the time managed to get better and i figured i'll try what they did and i'll just keep trying things (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that was the the biggest inspiration for me other stories and podcasts you know so it's amazing to keep uh, to keep completing these loops where you know to, <laughs> to be on here now sharing my story and maybe somebody else will hear it and they'll go on and become the i don't know the french iceman <laughs> be telling their story in a french podcast somewhere down the line the butterfly effect yeah exactly <laughs> but um yeah you get the point that's uh the the first two things that i found out were about the juice fasting which we talked about a little bit and then also the plant medicine treatments in south america and i really think that i can't split those two parts of my story at all it's like one thing because whenever i started the juice fast i'd also booked the trip to go to south america and part of the reason I feel that I stuck to it so well was knowing that that was coming up six months ahead and also knowing that, or at least reading that you get more out of the experience in South America, the more clean you go there. So I figured what better to do, you know, I want to do this juice fast anyway. Yeah. Uh, continue to eat really cleanly for the, the four months after the end of the juice fast before I went to Peru. And basically by the time I was going out there, I'd like lost 90% of the weight in Crazy. six months, which is mental. So how heavy were you? And then what did you drop to? I was at my heaviest, near 19 and a half stone and got down to I'm probably now about 12 and a half. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and then even at some stage, you know, ironically, just before I uh, started Causeway Living as a company, I was probably at my leanest, probably since put on muscle and body shapes changed and everything now. So... I might have to address that 100 pound line at some stage. (laughs) (laughs) Bumped up a little bit in a good way. And um, yeah, it was uh, was amazing to to be going out there. In the time in Peru, I'd like sort of lost any of the rest of the weight because you're eating extremely simply in the jungle. You know, it's literally just as more cleanly than before. There is also associated with the the plant medicine treatments, something called a dieta. So a really specific diet that part of their culture of treating people with the plant medicines they recommend that you cut out certain foods so your diet was limited to like i think rice and chicken fish 
in fact it might not have even been chicken i think it was just fish rice and various vegetables and fruits so when you're working with the plant medicines that's all you're reading out there and then you weren't eating much either because the whole experience was very intense yeah. part of the treatment would cause you to what they would call purge but basically throw up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, i got away super lucky with that though to be fair uh, of the 20 or so people who were out in peru like i was probably like physically ill the least maybe well certainly one of the least anyway and i can only put that down to the fact that i'd done the big fast and everything going into it yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah it was that was just completely life-changing experience on so many levels to come back to the community stuff that we talked about before like i'd never been around a group of 20 or so people who wanted to improve their own circumstances but help everyone else that was life-changing being in the amazon jungle alone like that's amazing mental is that? that is amazing yeah <laughs> that's life-changing it's you like get... proper like explore adventure stuff you like read off when you're a kid and you're like whoa yeah you never think you're gonna do it and then all of a sudden you find yourself drinking something from a man in a grass skirt <laughs> here i am living an adventure <laughs> so uh yeah that was amazing to see another way of life you know uh, i'd never traveled that far before and certainly never somewhere that was such a different culture mm. you're like right in there with the tribes like it yeah so one of the things actually there's two things about peru that i would love to, to chat about the first one is this whole idea of intention mm. um, but the second thing um is actually about the tribes because when i was listening to your podcast with tony mm -hmm. i those were the couple of things that i was like oh i really want to find out more and so cool. do you want to just tell us so, like I, I like maybe this is just me being like a, a cliche outsider but like are there anything or is there anything that you learned from your time with the tribes or was there any key takeaways from there because i've always found that being exposed to such a different way of life like that has such a it has had such a big impact on me whenever i was living in rwanda and stuff like that and it really it I, so i just wanted to hear your experience pretty much so in terms of actually being right in with the tribes i was out there for about three weeks and we were staying at a place where if i say retreat center that sounds way too fancy basically a couple <laughs> of wooden huts and nice. in the forest but that wasn't like there was guys from the tribes who were basically the shamans living there but in terms of actually spending time immersed with the tribes that was like we'll go for the day and yep. then come back yeah so it wasn't so much as if we were like eating meals with them and where i feel like it might have been more possible to soak up more of that but there's certainly things that are picked up from like witnessing their their way of life they couldn't have been more open and welcoming and loving and like whenever we went to see one of the tribes the first day it was only a tribe that we only saw once and uh we we're getting off the boat and there's this wee girl i can't imagine she's any older than about three like ran past about five or six people and just jumped up into my arms and just like every time i sort of set her down she would just like want picked up again and wouldn't leave me alone and just that like open-hearted lovingness like i'm so trust so trusting as well isn't it yeah. it seems so foreign um like as in like in terms of our context yeah and it's there's something just so i don't know earthy about it 
I don't want to like romanticize it too much because you know that's just my experience there and there's plenty of stories about people especially contacting like remote tribes and being shot at with arrows you know this is true (laughs) (laughs) quite uh, recently actually I don't know if you heard that there was a guy I can't even remember the name of the the island I think he was a missionary and he was going to to an island to spread the word of uh, the good lord and um he uh he died <laughs> so wow. yeah they they shot him with arrows so yeah but everything comes in balance so for every story <laughs> like mine there's a there's a man being uh, shot by arrows so uh, don't just go don't try this at home kids. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but for me anyway like there was a real openness there a real like sense of welcoming and also that they seem pretty chilled <laughs> that in their culture, like they don't work sixteen hour days, they'll go out and hunt, and the, uh, they spend a lot of time just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's something that we've maybe got wrong. Mm. That in this society, it's like most of your life is working. Yeah. And for them, I'd say most of their life was like social. Yeah. And even working. Again, this is maybe me projecting, but it's like maybe more social, like not that you go and sit at a like in, in an isolated space. I mean, I know it's quite different here in the Bath. This is an amazing work environment where you're communicating with other people and there's good crossovers. But I'm thinking maybe more to the work environment that I was in way before I got sick and probably contributed to, to how I became unwell. I was sitting like on my own in a little office with no windows Mm. so just fluorescent lights on me all the time uh, for years on end probably working like 12 hour days maybe six days a week and just felt really alone (laughs) and yeah that couldn't be more far removed from the the tribes yeah they probably have a lot less chronic stress so like underlying stress ruling their lives yet they probably have a lot more acute stressors like a jaguar yeah. <laughs> that's a big <vacuous> stressor <laughs> <laughs> well like I, i've been doing a lot of like reading into cognitive load recently and the whole idea of that is well like what is your brain space being occupied by and in our culture it's a lot of emails there's a lot of social media oh, i wonder how that tweet's doing how many likes did i get in that photo uh has sally got back to me with that proposal yet uh you know what's the booking situation like over and over versus a very acute and that's 24 7 versus an acute stress of i wake up oh my goodness i need to go and hunt for my food today to survive yeah i'm going it's intense i'm hunting i'm running i'm outside i've got the kill i've got the food ah nice you know what i mean it's yeah. like there, there's a it's like a 100 meter sprint it's like there's a very intense period and it's like i've achieved what i set out to achieve or unfortunately I have not set out to achieve what I, and that, you know, that is the, I appreciate you saying, not wanting to romanticize, you know, things because culture is amazing. Development is amazing. Yeah. Medicine is, you know, all these amazing things, they are good, mm. but we have lost something along the way. I, I'm a big believer in that. Um, maybe people would disagree with me, but definitely. I think that that's what <laughs> I'm trying to address. Basically, culture is amazing. There's never been like a safer time to be alive. But it may take a Wim Hof or myself to go out there and encourage people to do the extraordinary and prove to themselves that they're capable of more and experience those positive acute stressors. And then you're getting the best of both worlds. You know, we're benefiting from the fact 
that if my arm breaks now I can be reset and probably never feel any difference for the rest of my life compared to not all that long ago potentially going septic and yeah. you know dying <laughs> honestly from getting the flu arm. and oh sorry you're dead yeah right yeah. so whenever you look at it that way like there's and it, in terms of like crime people I think have this impression maybe to do with media the fact that things are so much more reported nowadays that it's like quite a dangerous time it's never been safer you know like there's stats and that show that murder rates are down in like the developed world and it's a really safe time to be alive yeah back in the day like someone would come and steal your donkey and that was that was your life savings gone like how many people get their life savings stolen from them these days you know what i mean i was gonna make a joke about banks i'm not going to (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's it's trying to make the best of both of that because we're not born we're not being put under the conditions that we're made for which is great in some ways maybe we can get the best out of both worlds and choose those things which does go against our nature to always seek that path of least resistance yeah but you can do it that's where like this whole idea of mind over matter comes into yeah. just choose the stressors and you promise you you'll be happier for it <laughs> yeah it is it's it's like a weird irony isn't it it definitely is and something i think about all the time is the fact that we quote unquote live in the best you know period of history ever We've got all these amazing things that we've, you know, we've talked about, you know, there's that thing. My sister used to have something up on um, her wall when we were growing up and it said something like, if you have a roof over your head, food in the cupboard and like somewhere safe to to sleep, you're in the top 1% of the world. Yeah. And yet, and this is something that I think people are really starting to wake up to, is the fact that we have all this comfort, we've got all this stuff. And yet mental health is going through the roof. People are degressing in terms of health, physically and mentally. People feel more detached than ever before. And so I do think it does take maybe an extreme John the Baptist voice in the wilderness that is Wim Hof, that is Scott Riley, doing these weird things that people are like what the flip is going on here to maybe wake people up to the fact that something needs to change and it doesn't have to be as crazy as me but there are alternatives as well and when i was listening to your story and as we've been talking uh, both on air and off air this whole idea of momentum is something that i just see written all over you and written all over your story and written all over your ethos and what your business is doing and so i suppose like how do you combat the belief that I was reading something class the other day and it said that the amount, the percentage of people doing marathons has skyrocketed Mm. because people have it in their head that if they start running, they have to do a marathon. I'm (laughs) so guilty of this. I've called this like uh, Olympia syndrome of where it's like I start anything in my life. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be something as random as chess. It could be something like poker. It could be like uh, cycling. And like, if I don't check myself, I will compulsively try to all of a sudden become world class at this thing. (laughs) And it, 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 it leads to terrible things of me not enjoying stuff and me burning out in various areas. So how does your ethos kind of approach that full tilt Western culture that we've kind of fallen into? 
that's generally i mean i feel like i'm probably well placed to talk about it because it's my inclination as well to go to extremes and <sighs> kindred spirit <laughs> yeah i mean like it's not everyone that goes two months without eating or flies to the amazon <laughs> or jumps up you know in frozen rivers and all the rest of it so i think if anything being in that place of like that's my natural inclination i think it gives me a better sense of having gone to that extreme and maybe having that naturally within me can make me more aware of it mm. because it's like such, such an extreme probably for me i've really learned that all the development happens in the smaller things so that's why the causeway living motto, motto is small steps to giant living you know <sighs> have a big life but such a tasty tagline it's good isn't it oh, <laughs> so good <laughs> a lot of self-gratitude there thinking <laughs> of that one but um yeah, it it really is though. It's so true, and I think the Wim Hof method was a, one good insight for me on that one because I'd done some pretty extreme stuff. I mean, Wim Hof method can look really extreme, but if you really break it down, like a fifteen minute period of time where you do this specific breathwork practice, not that extreme. Turning your cold shower a bit colder, not that extreme, but do it regularly over time, and you will notice your cardiovascular fitness completely change. You will completely notice your ability to deal with stress change massively. And I think whenever people set a target, like a they get into running, like you said, the the example, and want to run a big marathon, it can be overwhelming to the point where they'll maybe overtrain and, and get injured and then set themselves back but if you can associate with i think this is where like community comes back into it again like if you don't necessarily need there to be some like great big mammoth challenge to to take part in it, if it's just normal mm. if like running's normal like I, I go out and run I, I have this community free community event on sundays in banger called dash and splash and we go for a, a 30 minute jog get into the sea and it's normal and there's no it's not like we're training for this like big yeah. massive like everyone has to stay in an ice bath for 20 minutes <laughs> at the end of the, like at the end of the year yeah yeah it's just normal you have arrived <laughs> there, there, there's no final destination this is it this is just it yeah. it's amazing and it's a, and it, we're all having a great time and also as well like if you commit to small things i think sometimes people need to find more humility in their targets I heard uh, there's a clinical psychologist, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who says sometimes you're not aiming low enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. It's not underneath you to, you know, run 5K. You know, it's not beneath you to make your bed first thing in the morning. Mm. It's not beneath you to plan your meals for the next day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, I have to cut out sugar entirely. Yeah, or it's yeah. like, okay. Maybe I just need to aim a bit lower and maybe my goal is just to plan out what I'm going to eat the next day and if there's some sugar in it, I'm not going to beat myself up. Or if my goal is to run for 30 minutes without taking a break, maybe that's good enough. And then just see it like grow over time as well. Also, time moves very fast. <laughs> you know, like if you can Bro. do a small positive thing regularly how quickly is the start of this year gone i'm sure everyone listening to this would be like yeah the year's flying in imagine you'd been like committing to a small jog every day or yeah. doing a breathwork practice in cold showers you'd be a completely different person by now it's true <laughs> so understanding that that time passes quickly if you can just commit to a small thing before you know it massive changes and i mean even my own story i know i did some extreme things but like 
what's possible in six months is ridiculous. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that rapid, but just know that if you commit to small things over time, especially so to to jump on to maybe slightly different topic uh one of the parts of my journey was becoming a, a health coach through the czech academy a paul czech an american health coach and i've adopted his six pillars of health so hydration nutrition sleeping breathing moving and thinking six things that you have to do that's tidy day. i like that yeah it's really good really simple six things that you have to do whether you like it or not basically <laughs> so you may as well have good habits in those six areas mm. and they all seem small it comes back to this idea of like you're not aiming low enough just aim at those like low things try and do good things in those six areas i guarantee you like especially if you're not looking after the two ones for me are sleep and hydration like if someone isn't already looking after those and then they start drinking more water and go to bed at a reasonable hour turn off the digital stuff at a reasonable hour they're going to feel like an entirely new person in about three days it's that quick if you just drink water that is dependent on the fact like if you're not already drinking water yeah, and you're yeah, sleeping yeah. terribly yeah but if that's true of you and if you just start drinking more water and sleep at a reasonable time you're going to feel like your life's changed in about three days <laughs> so, Class. so those those are like the those little simple areas maybe to to start looking at and it doesn't have to be the the bigger things and surrounding yourself with the sort of people that that is normal and that's what I'm really trying to do here through through Causeway Living and the free event like Dash and Splash, where it's just like a gathering point for those people who who that is their normal and it's gotta start somewhere. <laughs> it's amazing. And that's in Bangor. What time is it and whereabouts is it? I'm sure like people will have to if they before they commit to go and they'll have to like social media creep you and look at your website and you know, do the kind of like vulture and thing from afar. <laughs> but like wh- where is it and what time is it at? Yeah, out so of curiosity. It's in Bangor. It starts at Picky Fun Park every. Oh, everyone knows where that is. Everyone knows where Picky is. <laughs> Just follow the swans there. And, uh, but it changes, so it's always Sunday morning. But it changes depending on the tide. Nice. So we always try and go in when the tide's fully in because it's easier to get into the water there. There's a 30 minute jog, but some people walk it instead. It was always really important for me to make it as accessible yeah. as possible to absolutely anyone who wants to get involved. And that's why the jog is 15 minutes out down the coast and back again at your own speed. Nice. So if it was a set distance, you know, there might be people who feel like, oh, well, I can't run 2K or I can't run 5K. Yeah. So I'm not going to come. So basically, you either walk or jog you move yourself along the coast whatever feels <laughs> right for you for 15 minutes out 15 minutes back and if you're god even if you're going for a walk like that was a huge part of my health journey on the juice fast something i didn't mention was i tried to do whatever exercise i could each day and literally at the start it was walking down to the end of the street and coming back 10 minutes walk and uh, yeah highly undervalued tool for for fitness just get out and walk more and yeah. sort of passively exercising without even thinking about it (laughs) and then yeah so walk jog 30 minutes and they'll lock up the bags for us at picky with like all the swim stuff in it so that's really handy that is handy grab the stuff there get changed in all the public loos there or many people just get changed down at the beach we take a moment of focus before going in the water so it's not specifically Wim Hof method breathing but using some of those principles and understanding that the water is a stressor I get everyone to take some slow, deep breaths together and everyone walks out aiming to focus on maintaining the slow rhythm of breath. 
And then whenever they get into the water, they manage to get their breath, overcome it, come out through the other side, and head back to Picky for a coffee and a chat while everyone's like buzzing off the, the back amazing. of it. So it's it's amazing. It's grown like crazy recently too. It started off it was never actually small. Like on week one there was fifteen people that turned amazing. Up, which isn't bad. I was expecting it's maybe class, like yeah. four or five. And now they're like a couple of weeks ago there was eighty people on the beach on a random Sunday morning. So crazy. <laughs> Mental. And uh yeah, it'll only continue to grow into the summer months where people get more confident because the, the weather's nicer <laughs> like today. And yeah. Yeah. So actually sort of in the process of like looking at making it a little bit more efficient and more structured because for a long time it was between twenty and forty people every week and what i described worked really well and it's quite easy to shout over the top of 40 people and get their attention but whenever it's like pushing 100 people and i'm there in my shorts on the beach <laughs> shouting at everyone like okay everyone i'm gonna interrupt your conversations <laughs> and let's get some focus especially for the new guys oh, man. <laughs> so that's uh that's a whole new challenge but yeah it's something we're working on at the minute maybe like making it with Something like Park Run, you know, where there's like volunteers and it's uh, more sort of set time so that moves a bit more personal responsibility on the people who are coming. So, yeah. you know, the bags are locked up this time on the dot. And if you're not there, that's on you. Yeah. We're going into the water at this time. So if you're not back from the run on time or yeah. giving yourself enough change, it's on you. Yeah. And yeah, I really, it's important for me to keep the spirit of that thing because it's, it's such a special event and so many people over time the the amount that people have had literally just say it's changed their lives is unreal and really fulfilled the the intentions that it set out in Peru, which might provide a good segue to, to talk about the the intentions. I was freaky. Well. I actually was just about to I was thinking in my head, I was like, Oh, I know I'm gonna formulate this. So many people in life, they seem to just float through and they live passively and you live with such intention. Like that's that's literally <laughs> where I was going. <laughs> so you made it very easy for me. That's good. Oh man. But right enough. So you were in Peru, you were doing ayahuasca treatment, which is a I was going to say experimental, but that's actually not true because it's a very, very old plant mm. and it is a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. It has been really, really got a lot of um, scientific attention recently for treating depression and addictions and kind of just anything to do with the mind and uh, a couple of other physical things too. But that experience, what I find really interesting because I've listened to loads of podcasts about ayahuasca and, you know, what's involved, but something that keeps coming up and something that I the whole intentionality thing why I want to ask you is because I, that idea of going into that event with a very clear set intention I think has so much potential to ripple into other areas of your life and so literally there's the word intention just you do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> it's probably one of the most defining things on my whole journey one of the most interesting things I found out about it was whenever I went out to Peru, they have like an indigenous belief in the tribes there. Whenever you set the intention to to work with ayahuasca, to take the plant medicine, that it starts working for you. That's their belief. And even on the most reductionist scientific level, like whenever I booked the flights to go there, I did the juice fast and did all these other positive things for myself. So even looking at it from that point of view, whenever I set the intention to go and take the medicine, it literally started working for me mm. because I was doing other good things for myself. And it was just a really great insight. Like it really was a moment for me that things clicked. It was like, oh, that's, that's actually true. That actually their belief 
in a roundabout way actually is true and it's something that I've carried on even on all the Wim Hof method workshops that I do I'll always make a really specific point of getting people to focus in on their intention for what they want out of the experience everyone who attends a workshop like that whether they realize it or not or they're coming there will have an intention for being there Mm. you don't volunteer yourself to go in an ice bath for no reason (laughs) (laughs) and uh so it's getting people to think about that because I think everyone has an intention, whether they know it or not, to make it clear and then apply focus to it. So I'll get people to think about it. And then whenever we're going into the actual breath work practice, get people to literally just meditate on it for a moment, go through this guided meditation that builds up focus, apply that focus to your intention for uh, a minute and then go into the, the Wim Hof Method breath work practice get them to focus a bit on it in the end and then you can start getting into even potentially deeper stuff because in the the Wim Hof method breathwork practice you are engaging that fight or flight part of the nervous system again which is a really really old part of the brain it's like that fight or flight response goes back to like the reptilian brain when we shared a common ancestor with reptiles and bypasses that human thinking mind so that's why people get that clear-mindedness from from the breath work and even the cold as well but in that old part of the brain you know you've got way more there's way more likelihood of talking to the subconscious basically you know if you can put a lot of focus and attention on your intention at a point where you're really engaging the deeper part of your brain the older part of your brain it really if you can link that with your intention, then it can drive the surface level things, your surface level actions towards your intention. Mm. So that's a really important thing for me. Like I try and think, not all the time, but if I'm being really mindful about how I'm approaching the cold, I'll, I'll do that as well. Like what I want, you know, what do I want to program myself? It's basically programming yourself, basically brainwashing yourself. <laughs> so uh, think about what you want and use those maybe more intense experiences to program yourself and orient yourself in that direction and then you don't have to think about it so much because it becomes a a subconscious action to move towards that sure yeah so that's a that's a big part of intention for me using it to orient your life in a certain direction because I heard someone recently, I was just trying to think who it was there, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they talked about energy and using an example of a garden sprinkler. You know, like if you've like all this energy and it's there's no direction for it and it's spraying everywhere like a garden sprinkler, you know, it's it's there's not much force behind it. But if you put it into like a power hose, Ooh. yeah, it's a pretty good metaphor, right? That's good, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could remember that was (laughs) sorry whoever i'm stealing that from but uh uh, scott riley original (laughs) but um yeah it's very true if that's what your intention is kind of like it's like you know creating a a focal point to to push your energy towards something and you can do that with your conscious mind program your subconscious mind and then you're all moving in the same direction and yeah it's another leads me to think about something else where Whenever I talk about things like this to people directly, if they're being 100% honest with me, they'll often say, well, I don't really know what I want. Mm. (laughs) 
it's it's not a given that most people actually know what direction they want to go into or, or what they want in life. I think sometimes that can only come from a bit of adversity as well. And I had my adversity thrust upon me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like in terms of getting ill and having to find my health through that and then finding out who I was through that and the stuff I enjoyed doing. But I don't think that's necessary. I don't think you have to have some big life crisis to find out what you want in life. I think you can choose the adversity and there's plenty of examples of, of people out there who you don't have to go through some big crisis to define what you're passionate about. Go out and, you know, do some try jujitsu. That's like a, an intense thing where, or, you know, sea swimming or, or any number of things that's positive, but challenging. Start to find out and you see what, like if you find that that's not the thing you enjoy, that's one last thing out of the billion possibilities. <laughs> so, you know, find out about yourself by choosing those difficult things start to understand what you want better and once you do have a good sense of what that is then orient yourself in that direction and comes back to momentum just keep taking small steps in that direction and over time you can be maybe on the best of belfast podcast Ah. (laughs) (laughs) so like where are you going scott like you've got all this momentum behind you now you've come on this insane personal journey which is far from over but where are you going i believe that this is only the start of something massive and i think you've got everyone's got to believe that in their own project to be passionate about it but i know i've stumbled across a real truth because there's a few other people out there talking about the same things whether it's like wim hof and the cold joe rogan who we mentioned like a lot of people are in alignment with a lot of the same things that I'm very interested in and they're all doing very well for themselves out of it and it's a big part of my journey just to spread that message Mm. of doing all the things that we talked about it's got to start somewhere so (laughs) it started here in in Bangor and Belfast in Northern Ireland but part of the reason why it's causeway living and not just scott riley is because i see the bigger picture as they're being like causeway coaches and dash and splashes in who knows like galway brighton san francisco park Rome was a great analogy yeah why not why Why not a hundred percent there could be dash and splashes all over there could be people sharing some of the values that i talked about earlier you know through a through a system that i'm you know teaching people with at the minute like the czech stuff as well paul czech's another good example of someone who's created a system that people can can go and learn on i'm in the middle of kind of revamping an online course i had called six week shift that looked at those six pillars of health nice and again you did it six and six that's just nice (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah it's scaling what i've done and it's always been in the back of my mind like i said that's why it's not just scott riley is this is way bigger than just me <laughs> uh, it's a message not a person and i'm just trying to facilitate getting that out there and that'll be through my continued learning but enabling other people to share that elsewhere creating events elsewhere around the world and just seeing i really believe in this whole idea of like a rising tide lifts all ships you know the more Ooh. people you can empower with 
feeling healthier and happier and stronger you know you only benefit from that yourself directly as well so yeah that's the aim a healthier happier stronger world really and um not just from an altruistic point of view you know it's that just makes my life better as well absolutely and let's talk business for a second so currently the way you're set up how do you make money basically through workshops so and classes as well retreats and other things so that's all adding up here (laughs) but uh yeah mostly teaching the the wim hof method but full honesty even on the wim hof method workshops and retreats that i do it's maybe 60% Wim Hof method, 40% Scott. <laughs> so I'll be teaching the Wim Hof method with, say, the the music from Peru. So the Icaros, the songs that the shamans would have sung. You know, I'll play that during the, the breath work. I'll talk a lot about intention. We'll play different games from uh, drawing on my own experiences. Wim Hof method is a big part of it. We do the breath work and the cold, but it, it's a lot of me in there as well. So it's mostly centered around bigger one-off events like uh, weekend workshops weekend retreats they've got one coming up in july smaller classes just doing the wim hof breath work but beach workouts as well was something that was doing towards the end of last year so outdoor fitness stuff but i'm looking at a few other things as well i mentioned also the online course maybe a model where people can sign up to do regular more regular classes with me because that's something that's entered my mind recently that the big one-off events are great and can be life-changing but again small steps to giant living yeah. <laughs> people have something regular like dash and splash but that that's not something that's currently monetized there's a, a patreon um account set up so people can donate on a regular basis to that if they really enjoy it but having something like dash and splash that's regular people can keep on top of and whether it's a, a fitness class or a breathwork thing something that that people can come and join on a more regular basis that's something i'm looking at putting up to uh, in the near future but at the moment it's uh it's the workshop so like tomorrow i'm heading into the morn mountains with a small group of six people and so i actually think that that is a great jumping off place for listeners i think out of everything that would be a great place for them to jump in so do you want to just um share a little bit about that's like a morn day workshop isn't it yeah, exactly. So it's billed as a... That's Wim- very affordable. Yeah, it's a, a Wim Hof Method mountain workshop. And basically, it runs from 11 until... I have it listed until about 4, but it always overruns until uh. about 5. Because <laughs> everyone's having the best crack. And part of the end of it is slightly optional. It's a bit of a hangout in the cafe afterwards and uh, warm up again. But everyone generally makes the most of that and hangs on and spends the time together. And we, we learn the Wim Hof breath work in the studio, do a bit of an introduction. It's always a small group of six people, so everyone gets the chance to get to know each other and share their experiences with the Wim Hof method, even if they feel comfortable with it, sharing their intention for what they want to get out of the experience. So we have an hour to an hour and a half in the studio, head out into the Morn Mountains, which is great, uh, do some mindset training in different games, just out in nature there, which is always good crack take in the nature there as well which is just a big healing part of that day as well and essentially wrap it up with one of the uh dips a dip in one of the cold water stream pools there so there's a few really really nice spots so 
for me, like there's part of me that always really wants to like systematize it and make it like a really standard structure. But every one of those workshops is unique. <laughs> it's just <laughs> up to me to like know, okay, there's like three places we could go in the water. Yeah. The studio could go on for two hours if people are really into that yeah. part. And yeah, I it's a re- it's as much of a, an experience for me every time like managing something that has to be super fluid and it's great it means that people can come back multiple times and have a completely different experience depending on it being a different them yeah it being a different you know group different weather different me as well because <laughs> i'm learning all the time too and um yeah, it's uh, you get to learn the tools of the Wim Hof method, which ideally you go home and apply to your day to day life. It's not about the the one off big experience, but there is something in the one off big experience too. Because some people are, and um, perhaps rightly so, scared of the cold because yeah. you know for a long time in human history the the cold killed people. You know, people whenever it was chronic, you know, people over winter, old people would pass away and mm-hmm. we've got an inbuilt fear of cold, but using that as an acute stress, you go into the cold, manage your breath in there, train your nervous system through it, feel awesome, come out and have this feeling of achieved something really positive with a, a small group of people. And one of the best things for me is like, you see people sort of nervously shuffle, shuffling in at the start of the day <laughs> and by the end of it, they're all best mates and yeah, sharing yeah, numbers yeah. and so yeah it's something that honestly is very very hard to put the feeling of into words and even though i've really grown in my own ability to like share that in terms of like videos and pictures and all the rest of it it doesn't really do it any justice the best thing that anyone can do is go and read the reviews and like they're they're not done at gunpoint i can promise (laughs) even though it might seem like it because they're so enthusiastic but uh yeah it's the they are without exaggerating can be life-changing days for people the weekends even more so um i've got one coming up that's more focused around tollymore so it's going to be in uh brinesford cottage i'm just making sure i got that right there (laughs) and uh it's like a a big six bedroom old house which is great um everything's taken care of and it's like a two-day version where there'll be more like maybe physical training and just adding in different elements over a two-day period where it's extended out where you're eating with those like you know six people and sharing more stories and time and yeah it's uh i can know for myself especially after doing the the wim hof training in poland i went out there to teach with other instructors so guide one of the wim hof method mountain experiences in poland as well and that's something that I would love to move towards someday as well, doing the full weeks, because if the weekend or the one day is life changing, like those people, you know, I stay in touch with all the people that I was yeah. teaching on the thing on and they, you know, the things that they've gone on to achieve since is just unreal. So that's something, you know, to, to get to your question of where do I see myself going? It's probably like longer retreats as well as the 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 things that can be kept up steadily over time those week-long events are just so life-changing so that's something else that uh, i'd quite like to share and yeah the in terms of the other workshops next week there's a way to experience the wim hof method in a more i guess controlled environment so it's more of a standard wim hof workshop the mountain thing's really more if i'm being honest the causeway living thing (laughs) (laughs) the the wim hof method fundamentals workshop uh, goes even more into the the science there's the ice bath 
as well, which is uh, a different way to experience the cold. Probably a bigger psychological challenge, to be fair. Even though the cold mountain streams, whenever snow melts coming down from the top of the mountains, is probably colder than the ice bath. Yeah. But it's a bigger psychological challenge to actually step into ice cubes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's um, that's going to be doing my first one in black box fitness in the Titanic quarter soon. Nice. Which is exciting. So ahead of that, there should be more fun, more mountain experiences in the summer. But before then, I'm over to Vermont to teach in America, which is cool. Class. Spreading Causeway living over to the state <laughs> side as well, which is good. And uh, yeah, back over to the Netherlands to hang out with Wim as well next month, which nice will be one. fun. So nice one. Bit of that craziness. <laughs> Dude, get yourself pumped up. Why not? Yeah. Um, if there's one place people can connect with you, just as like that touch point where would you recommend causeway living is the instagram facebook twitter it's all just slash causeway living causewayliving.com is a website as well so it's all really really simple where are you most active instagram and facebook cool yeah about the same <laughs> awesome dude well literally i feel like i've had a, a real education <laughs> i and, really appreciate uh, the chat. it was awesome dipping into some stuff there so yeah I think you're going to do class. You're bringing some really, really neat stuff to this part of the world and beyond. And I can only encourage listeners to to really have a go and start small because I think the impact can be huge. So, dude, thanks very much. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, man. What a great guy. Seriously. A lot of time for Scott. Please do check out the Dash and Splash if you're free on Sunday mornings. It was so much fun. Honestly, had an absolute blast. A couple of us from Omar Bass went, and I think you would really, really have a good time. It's probably way out of some people's comfort zone. That's great. That's exactly where you need to be. I also really, really want to plug, Scott didn't ask me to do this, but I'm doing it anyway. His Wim Hof Mountain Retreat, I think, is so, so, so beneficial. You got to check it out. It's a one-day workshop. It's on Saturdays. You know, it starts in the morning, ends in the afternoon, and you guys hike together you have hands-on coaching from scott by the end of the day you're jumping into ice cold water you, you think you won't be able to do it but if there's one thing <laughs> if there's one thing that i've learned from doing the wim hof is that you can do so much more than you think you can your body is an incredible thing and you would be surprised of the benefits mentally physically emotionally whatever whatever by getting your body out there in nature and all that sort of stuff so check it out it's dead cheap honestly it's 99 quid that's a steal. If, guys, if we were in America, people would be charging like 700 quid for this. Honestly, it's madness. Check it out. Support Scott. You can find him on Instagram. You can find his website, causewayliving.com. Go to the Dash and Splash. Get involved. Get outside. You know, the weather's been class too. It helps whenever the weather's good, but... Oh, man. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up because I could just go on and on about this stuff forever. Thanks very much for listening. If it is your first time, uh, you know, this is like we've nearly done 50 of these. Yeah, say hi. MatthewBestBelfast.org is my email address. If you've got guests to recommend or any other crack, any other feedback. Oh, crack feedback. You like that? We accidental internal rhyme. Can't beat it with a big stick. You can check out who all we've interviewed. Sign up to our email newsletter. You can support the show financially by becoming a producer at BestOfBelfast.org. I've got a big surprise for you guys coming up in the next few weeks. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, but I know it's it's to do with the show and it's to do with a couple of guests. And yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's the first time we've done something like this. But I think you guys will like it. I'm certainly excited. And so if I'm excited, I hope you guys are too.
that's it. Thanks for listening. See you next Monday morning when we release another incredible conversation with someone from Northern Ireland. And that's it. My name is Matthew Thompson. This is Best of Belfast. And until next week, all the very best.